0: My name is John, and it's a privilege to share this morning. Uh, we're going to turn to Psalm 51. And uh, <clears throat> Pastor David is gearing up for a new series, and we were, we were having coffee, and I was updating him on some of the things that go on in my life, some of the pain and some of the reality check stuff. And, but, so I was sharing with David how, how I'm really broken, that I came into CTK, as a pastor who had just gone through a divorce, and CTK was a welcoming, loving-armed place to be, but that I'm broken, that I was broken, that I am broken, and that Psalm 51 has just been messing with me. And, and I was, I was kind of opening my chest up and bearing my heart to him, and he goes, hey, can you share that with the congregation? Uh, sure. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of tell a little of my story as we unpack Psalm 51, Because David's story is much like my story, but if we look at Psalm 51, it's the way that God would have the Christian pray. You know, like um, when Jesus shared uh, the prayer, um, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he gave us an awesome power of several things we should pray about. That's the way it is with Psalm 51. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, and we're going to read all of it. And then I'll just go back through some pieces of it. David prays this um, after he had committed uh, the sin with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. "'Create in me a pure heart, O God, "'and renew a steadfast spirit within me. "'Cast me not from your presence "'or take your Holy Spirit from me. "'Restore to me the joy of your salvation "'and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. "'Then I will teach transgressors your ways "'and sinners will turn back to you. "'Save me from blood guilt, O God, "'the God who saves me, "'and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. "'O Lord, open my lips "'and my mouth will declare your praise.' You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on the altar. That's the word of God, and that is the most powerful part of this morning, is to hear the word of God. And um, you know what I'm gonna share with you this morning um, the S-word sin. Do you know there are actually churches that don't talk about sin? There's actually a mega church guy who says in an interview, I don't I don't like to bring that topic up because that's kind of you know that's kind of a downer. We like to be positive. We like to know God's love. We like to talk about God's love. Folks, if, if you don't know your sin, you don't know God's grace. If you don't know how you've blown it, you're not going to know the joy of your salvation. I was a teenager. My dad was not a Christian. My mom was not a Christian. And when I came to know the Lord, I was like, "Whoa!" and I became super Christian I tried to save my dad. I was saving everybody. I was super excited. But my dad kept saying, Johnny, your mouth's going to get you in trouble. And he saw this arrogance in me that I couldn't see. I got super excited about my Christianity and that I was saved. But somewhere along the line, like right away, I got proud. Because I remember thinking, even when I was a little boy, and I had lots of hair, and I was just really, you know, um, Fun to be around You know I'm not like those kids You know, the kids that smoke cigarettes Back behind the dumpsters I'm not like those long hairs, you know Those, my mom would always say When I was starting to act a little bit naughty Well Johnny, you know, you know we're going to cut your hair Because you're starting to act like a hippie Okay, <laughs> you older folks know hippies are, Okay But I always thought that I was Kind of the good kid, and then When I got saved, I knew I was the good kid. God had, you know, saved me. How could somebody like David, the king of Israel, God used him. If you know the story of of David, he was this brave, faith-filled young guy who killed a giant and became prosperous, became known. Now he's the king of Israel. He has all the privileges of kinghood. And he's out, well, You might know the story from 2 Samuel. I'll just summarize it. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab. David is hanging out on his bed, lounging around in the cool of the evening when he should be out at war with his troops. So he's in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. And he peeks over the ceiling and he sees a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. Now, there have been lots of scholars that have said she was in the wrong. She shouldn't have been bathing there. She was tempting him. Maybe she intended all that. You know what I say to that, and it's not nice because he looked over there. He saw her, and instead of calling in one of his many how many wives do you think he had, David? Pastor David? I mean, he had plenty of wives. Guys, we can't handle one wife, much less a bunch of them. So, I know, you know? And he instead of, he didn't need sex, but he calls in this beautiful woman that he sees, or he calls his servant, and he says, hey, who's this woman? Well, isn't that the wife of Uriah? He, I could just imagine him saying, that's the wife. Okay, he's, well, bring her to me. And you know the rest of the story. He sleeps with her. Adultery. Nothing wrong with that, because he's a king, right? He has privileges. No, there is something wrong with it, or else he wouldn't have did the next thing. He tries to sweep it under the rug and calls his husband, her husband, Uriah, home from war. Hey, you're home from war. How's it going? You doing great? Good job, buddy. Go, go home. And the guy has so much loyalty to his troops, he wouldn't go home. He sleeps on the doorstep, and David's like, what are you doing with your wife? Well, because she's, she's pregnant. No, he doesn't tell her that, but he's, he knows she's pregnant of his baby. No, I couldn't go home. I couldn't go home to my wife right now. My troops are out, you know, fighting. So, okay. So he gets them killed on the front lines of battle. Whew. Okay, that's done. Quickly takes um, Bathsheba as his wife, which, of course, everybody's going, oh, what a magnificent king. He's taking care of Bathsheba, who's destitute, lost her husband. And then God takes the baby, and the baby's dead, And Bathsheba is left in the wake of David's sin. Now, David's got it swept under the rug. Everything's cool. And I wonder, the Bible doesn't say, but I wonder how much time went by. Was it just a little while? Was it years that he lived with this? Remembering that he's an adulterer, that he's a murderer, but he's the king of Israel. Well, I shared with you that I would share a little bit of my pain and my story. I was a pastor in the Reformed Church in America, started out in the Baptist, went to a Bible college, was a youth pastor for several years. And I think I was always looking over my shoulder at God saying, hey, are you happy with me now? We got a good youth group this year. Hey, kids came to the Lord. Are you, are you pleased with me now? Am I serving you? Am I doing your will? You know, did you really call me to this? And then when I went to, pa- to be a pastor, was that a good message, God? Are you pleased with me? Did I do it well? You know, is the church growing? It's always looking over my shoulder, going, Are you pleased with me, God? But in my heart of hearts, my pride and my arrogance, my marriage was failing, and I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear the cries of her heart. And she as she was despising me, and the people were praising me. And oh, Pastor John, what did blah blah blah? You know, it's like, yeah, what's her problem? God loves me, the people love me, all you know. I kept hitting the reset button on my on my sin, didn't I? God forgives me. Well, Psalm 51 reminds us that forgiveness in Christ, the blood of Christ, the body of Christ broken for us, salvation is not a reset button, folks. And repentance doesn't look like a quick reset button. And so that you know the story with David, Nathan comes to him. Nathan is a prophet God sends Nathan to David. Hey, David, I got a little story for you. Yeah, lay it on me. There was a a rich man with lots of lambs, and he had a guest come for dinner. But instead of using one of his lambs, he goes to this poor man with one lamb. He takes away his lamb, and he slaughters it, and he feeds his guest. David is outraged. "That, That guy is a sinner. He should be killed. David says, that man is you. And I could just imagine. Can you imagine what washed over David that very moment? I didn't hide my sin from God. I didn't hide my sin from his people. I didn't hide anything. I am, I am guilty. And th- then you hear the way he prays. How can Nathan say this next thing? I, before, we, before we get to the prayer, I just have to get to this. Nathan says this. You know, Uriah is dead. Bathsheba raped. You are guilty, but God is putting away your sin. The baby will die, but God is putting away your sin. Doesn't that just kind of outrage you? Outrage? I mean, it, doesn't that make you a little incredulous? How could God just say, well, I'm going to take away this sin from you? What did David do to deserve that? What did What did... I mean, there are certain sinners that should, should be forgiven. Like, you're and you're my sin, they're not so bad. We're not out there killing people. We're not out there with rifles shooting in the middle of the streets. We're not like the terrorists. We're not like, I mean, you could go down the list, and you begin to think, I'm, I'm not that bad. Yeah. My sin, my sin, my sin's forgiven, that's cool, but Yeah. Except for one thing. Paul also shared the outrage of forgiven sin when he said this in Romans 3, and 26. God put Christ forward as propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This is to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over the former sins. There's that Passover word. There's that God choosing to take away the sin. God choosing to pass over to cleanse it. David's faith in God that we see in this prayer is David's faith in the future work and workings of Christ himself. It's a foreshadowing of what God would do. And see, isn't it great that God's vision and God's time is not like ours? I mean, yeah, this was Old Testament. This was David. That was the law. That was, that was the sacrifice and the forgiveness of sins by, by duty. No. That was Christ also. Those sacrifices and the blood, that was Christ. They were looking for the Messiah. The Messiah would come. And so in Psalm 51, it describes what David felt and thought about his sin. So the reason I'm stuck in Psalm 51 is I'm beginning to believe that that this is a daily repentance. That repentance doesn't just happen once and I'm good oh, until the next time I blow it. Okay, I'm good again. Because you and I don't even know the depths of our sin. The thing like the thing that got me, the thing that gets me every day is pride. Because pride is the blinding sin. We don't even realize we're sinning because we're proud and proud blinds us to the fact that we're sinning and then until, until you hurt somebody or say something you shouldn't or, or, you know, in my case, my mouth still gets me in trouble. So we're going to look at what happens. When I said, I, I gave David the, the, the title what, what Really Pleases God and I got to thinking about that title. What Really Pleases God is is himself, is Jesus Christ coming and taking away our sin. But first of all, when he sees our heart crushed, David was crushed by his sins. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. He, He turns to the only one who can provide forgiveness. It wasn't, hey, God, I'll do better. Did you notice it wasn't, Hey, God, help me to stop having sex with people I shouldn't have sex with. Hey, God, help me to be a more diligent king and be out at battle when I should. And, and I'll do better and pull up my bootstraps and I'll try harder and then you'll be pleased with me. No, it was God, according to your mercy, cleanse me. Secondly, and I'm gonna blast through these. Don't worry that I'm gonna go too far. Well, l- let me just say under crushed. You... Know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. For the first, I would say, four years after the divorce of my marriage, I would wake up every morning and sometimes literally cry in the shower for missing my kids. And because right now I have four kids that aren't speaking to me. And for four years I've thought, yeah, they'll get it one day and they'll, you know, mom's blaming me and blah, 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 and they have to blame somebody and it's I'll just take, the, you know, no, in the last year or so, I don't, I, I miss my kids. I, I cry for missing my kids. But now I'm broken. Now I'll just take the blame. Now I say, I was a jerk. Yeah, I was going to cuss. I was a real <laughs> jerk. I didn't love her as I should. I, I was arrogant. I was proud. I am arrogant. I am proud. For I know my transgressions are always before me. This gives us a clue that David David struggled with this sin. He did, he, it wasn't wiped away. He knew it was before his, his eyes and the Lord's eyes. He was crushed. But second of all, he doesn't just live there and say, okay, good, we're good, God. He owns it. He goes into the depths of it. He, he struggles with, with what it means. And the, the, the fact that he says oh, the Lord, the Lord, O oh God of mercy, slow to anger. No, the fact that he says, um, surely I was sinful at birth. At first reading, you might think, well, of course, we're all human. We all sin. Have you ever, have you ever heard somebody say, I'm just that way. You know, that's just the way I am. And it sounds like he's minimizing it. We're all sinners. We're all sin. No, he's saying, I, I am, I've been sinful at birth, and though you've knit me in the womb, and you've given me wisdom, and you've given me your presence, I continue to sin, and I can't stop sinning. No matter what I do, I'm sinful. Surely you desire truth, but I keep sinning. It sounds like the Apostle Paul when he says, Lord, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do Anyway. Who can save me from this body of sin? Who can? Amen. Preach it. So God loves a heart that's crushed. God loves a heart that owns it, the sin. Second of all, or third of all, he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones that you have crushed rejoice. He wants change. He wants to be different. So in our repentance, we, ch- we cry out for change. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Katie referenced, search my heart, O God. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Not I'll try harder and I'll do better, but God, by your strength and your power, make me, make me clean. Make me somebody different. Make me somebody who's steady. Restore to me the joy of your salvation And grant me a willing spirit Because my spirit is not willing What is it about David that he could turn from God And look to Bathsheba What is it about you and me Have you ever thought about whatever sin you struggle with And you know I can name mine You want to name yours right now Whatever it is that you struggle with What is it in that moment that you're willing to go to that And turn your back on God I don't know if it doesn't break your heart, then um, then I would, I would pray about that and ask the Lord to, to take you deeper into his love because um, the joy of our salvation comes in knowing we're forgiven. Lastly, a heart that repents Begins to love again. Begins to become willing. Then he says, I will teach transgressors your way. And sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, who saved me. So David begins to see that, that it, if he is made clean, if his spirit is made willing, if he becomes steadfast, then his life is going to make a difference. Then he can teach others their ways. How many of us shy back from evangelism? And I'm raising my hand here because I don't, I don't have it together yet. I'm still sinful. I'm still insecure. I'm still full of pride. I'm still all I, I don't know the Bible well enough, whatever your reason. For, but mostly for me, it's like I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not righteous enough. What a crock. When, when Jesus comes into our life and we can fully grasp his salvation, we, we can teach others. We can talk about the S word. We can enter into people's lives and, and challenge them with the good news of the Jesus Christ. Because the good news is not the good news unless we understand that the law has shown us that we're sinful. So, we can talk about sin. We can struggle with being sinful people and being forgiven people. The sacrifices of God, verse 17, are a, are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God. You will not despise. This mystery is the same mystery that David understood that he could be forgiven, and there's nothing that he could do about it, but that it would be God's mercy. What this psalm tells me is that when, when we are filled with the joy of the Lord, we're going to have a flavor that continues to be broken. I'm just now getting my mind around this. I keep thinking to myself, I can share the good news of the gospel again, when I am back to being the joy-filled, excited young guy that I used to be, full of personality and full of joy in this because of the Lord, and this psalm is teaching me that instead I'm going to be broken. I'm going to stay broken. I'm going to be broken over lost relationships. I'm going to be broken over the sin. Every time I hurt somebody, I'm gonna be broken over the sin that I commit against God and God alone. Because every time I turn my eye away from him, I break my relationship with him. But Jesus Christ keeps holding me. I told you, did I tell you that that when my wife filed for divorce, my life looked like a, a guy crying in an RV, questioning whether God was there. My wife's gone, my kids are gone, ministry's gone. Why live? God began to reconstruct my life one step at a time. Well, If God is real, then I'll live for him. But if Christ is real then I'm forgiven, then I have to live. Then I have to love. I have to, I have to keep going. So let me just end with this little... Am I over time? Yeah, I'm over time. This little story... Remember I told you my kids aren't talking to me? And I keep reaching out to them, keep loving them. Well, my son Micah, who who's won't speak to me and not, won't answer my text and all that, I went to his graduation. I thought, I got to be there. I got to show my face. Even if he hates me and doesn't want him to see me there. So I'm looking over the crowd, and his mom and his grandma's there. And so I'm waiting for the moment. Okay, hope he'll look at me. And I went, he looked at him like that. And he looked away and said, and I saw him say, Dad's here. Then I thought, well, you know, I got to see him. And he knew I was there. I'm his dad. So I kind of was getting ready to walk. And then he beelines to the crowd. And he comes to me. And he gives me a big hug. And he says, thanks for being here. And I said, I'm proud of you, son. Gave him his little gift. And off he went. There's going to be joy. And there's going to be brokenness. Brokenness. Young people, if you think finally I'm going to get there and my life's going to be all together and, uh, and, my, and my walk with Christ will just be so awesome, yes, it will be awesome. But the older I get, the more I realize there's going to be brokenness, a broken spirit, a contrite heart. God will not despise you. There will be joy and brokenness together as we repent again and again and again and again. Would you pray with me?